This is College Football Weekly. College football like you've never heard it before. Now, here's Will Chambers and Tyler Walgy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Week 9. I'm Will Chambers. To my left, or very far right, <laughs> as always... Professional better Tyler Walgy. All the way around the world to your right. That's right. What's up, Will? How's it going, man? You know, another day, another week of college football. Yeah. Yeah, always good. How's your day been? It's been uh, it's been not bad. I got a new drain put on uh, out back. What? I, I <laughs> <laughs> my old drain wasn't up to HOA code, so they kept sending me in the mail, you need to get your drain replaced, and I kept making up excuses why I couldn't. Hopefully they don't listen. Um, but it's replaced, got a new drain, so... Everything's looking good. Your transition into an old man is just, it gets better every day. It's like, yeah, I, I'm so excited. I got my new drain. And if, I could o- HOA. if I could only ha- figure out how to work the Twitter now, yeah. it will be complete. That's right. Yeah. For sure. Just ask your son. He'll teach I you. <laughs> old man Tyler, back in mm-hmm. it. Um, back at it again, folks. Yeah, man. Week nine. Every, every week, it just feels like we're inching closer to the end. And I know I keep saying it, and I shouldn't be so negative about it, but you know, when we say week 10 next week, when we're actually in double digits, I think that's when it really starts to hit you that, uh, it's kind of like Sunday night, right? Before you go back to work. Yeah. yeah that whole yeah. Sunday feeling. I, I always feel helpless on Sundays. It's like, even <laughs> you're if not it's a like, big NFL guy either. Are you? I mean, you watch, yeah, the NFL. I watch it. And like, I pay attention, uh, because of fantasy football, but no, I don't really like if it'd be so easy for me to just cut out, you know, cause I watch college football all Saturday long. And so, a lot of times I need Sundays to like get shit done, you right, know, to, right. to run errands or whatever. And I, and especially like the Broncos are terrible. It makes it even easier. I can skip Broncos games. I'm really not a big NFL guy. The, honestly, the most fun I have is watching in order to keep track of like my favorite Michigan players in the league. Uh, there you, you know go. what I mean? Yeah. So that's usually what I watch. But with my schedule, I hate weekends now. It's so funny how, I mean, for years, of course, the nine to five Monday to Friday and weekends are, have their own place. Now I can't stand weekends because the the roads are busy, the grocery stores are packed. Everywhere you go, there's so many people. I just, right, I like doing my and stuff. You're, Monday and you're handicapping and stuff, so <laughs> exactly. it's like a stressful time. Yeah, exactly, but yeah, I try and most we, people unwind on the weekends. Exactly, I, you're I, winding I, up. I don't like Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> my busiest days, and I don't like going out those days. So, well, uh, week eight was pretty fun. Uh, it was a good one. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, uh, I know it wasn't leading the any stories, but I think one of the biggest ones is Boise State going down. I thought they had a chance to make a New Year's oh Six Bowl. Gosh. I thought that they could. Uh, I'm so I, I I'm like. Did I, you have some parlays on that one? Yeah, yeah, I sure did, Tyler. I, I'm I didn't even th- I wasn't even gonna bring this up. I didn't have <laughs> it in my show notes, and then you reminded me. I had a six game teaser, and of course the the Boise State BYU game was the last oh, game. Oh, it night. always works. It kicked like off that. at like ten o'clock Eastern. And so I'm staying up to watch it. And yeah, I had a six game well, teaser. All five before hit. And, and what was Boise? They were like six and a half, seven point favorites. Yeah, so I teased them down to, to, they were seven. I got them at seven and a half. So my, or maybe, you know, you're Even right. It was seven six, and a half. Six that, and a half. An and it was teaser. a six point teaser. See, so all they needed to do was win. And then, they, and then BYU puts up 21 points in the third quarter with a backup quarterback. That's end up winning by just three points. They, like they were doing double reverse Dude, trick pass so plays. Rough. I was losing my mind. And still, Boise had a chance at the end there. Well, in those games, look, when you can tease down from six and a half, seven, a good good example, good learning lesson for everyone out there, 
teasing down from six and a half sevens huge. We call that an advantage teaser when you can go through seven and through three, a couple key numbers, and just take a team to win. That's right. usually that's usually pretty juicy. And if there's anything we know about Will. I see something that looks juicy and I want to have it. <laughs> it's very true. It is true. I wanted that one bad. That's a tough loss, man. Man, like it's funny because uh, you know Boise State they were undefeated and they were doing really well. And I don't know about you, but for me, like once I get if I get burned like this on the on the tail end of a six game teaser that would have been nice for my weekend. Uh, now I'm like I'm like a scorned lover. I'll never bet on on Boise State ever again. Maybe I, I mean I'm probably lying yeah, about that. Maybe yeah. in two weeks if I see something, I'll be like, you know what? I'll give them another chance. I know how that feels though, man. Look, you lose your money on a team. You don't. You're not rushing Ugh. to back them again. That's 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 certain. brutal. I was feeling so good too. I was feeling good about like all all the games were going my way, and that was tough. Speaking of tough, Tua, Tua gets Tua, hurt. I know. Man. I feel so bad for him. So you know, it's not like. Uh, I don't know how bad everyone feels for Alabama as like a program, you know, <laughs> yeah. outside of Alabama fans. I don't think that many people feel really terrible for them, but for Tua, I feel, I feel terrible. Really sucks for him, and and he's not done for the year. Well, it's the it's the same injury that he had to his other ankle last year, right? And and the story I was reading, it said he was able to rush back for the uh, playoffs. It was like a three week period, right? And now everyone's kind of looking at this LSU Alabama game as the potential return date. Now I'm going to ask you because my opinion is. I think that Alabama should do whatever they can to make sure he's healthy, not just for Tua Tonga Viola, because let's face it, everyone who is a senior, junior in high school wanting to go to Alabama is looking at this situation saying, what's going to happen when I get hurt, right? It, does my well-being mean anything, or is this you know, the, the Patriots of, of college football? Right. So I think that for Tua's sake, you do that, and... Not that you can lose a game and you want to go about your whole season, oh, we don't need to win this LSU game. This is a huge game for Alabama, but it's not really like if if they lose, it's not they're the done. End all be it's, all. Not, it's not the end all be right. all. I think they should rest him and rest him until he's absolutely ready to come back and don't right. rush him back. Don't yeah. risk re hurting that or anything like that. I think you're right overall, and and I've heard conflicting things because this LSU game is just in two weeks, right? Yeah, it's and so quick. and some well, people no, no, no. said they have a bye, so this game bye than LSU. Right, so two weeks, right? Two well, or two weeks from the injury, right? <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm or, I, I, let me. I'll, I'll I, bring, I, I, I can look it bring up. Bring up the schedule. Yeah, I thought yeah. the LSU game. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's three weeks. And if that's the case, that's better because I had heard some people say, like an, the initial reports were like, okay, he had like a surgery done, but he should be fine by the LSU game. No, yeah. So this weekend, it is in three weeks. This okay. weekend they play uh, Arkansas at home. Then they have a bye, and then eleven nine they play uh, okay. LSU, who's number two now in the nation. Yeah. Well, look, I think you're right because. What's going to be really interesting, so let's say that, that two is not ready by that LSU game. With the way their backup looked uh, you know, in relief, and I, I don't doubt that he, he could sure be more Alabama's prepared. has got a pretty good backup. No, he, he honestly didn't look that good. Did he not? You know what he He looked like what we were used to seeing at Alabama at the quarterback hey, position. McCarran. Yes. Yeah, like he, it's no longer these athletic like dual threat guys that, we, that started with Jalen Hurts and then Tua. Like I can't remember this guy's name, but he, I mean, he didn't look terrible, but he obviously didn't think he was coming into the game. That's the first thing. If he has a week to prepare, maybe he'll look a lot better. But but, but you wonder, I mean, do you think this Alabama offense is going to look the same when Tua leaves? Because, I mean, Nick Saban for a long time, I think, and we kind of debated about this before the season, but I think that Nick Saban has always been a proponent of, I'm not going to let these kids 
ruin my career, <laughs> you know? And so, Can they at this point, though? Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah he no, could I, stack I his national saying. titles, and for a long time there, he would get those quarterbacks because they didn't make the mistake. You know, throw it away. Let's let our defense win. Let's win 10-9. Right. Against. So do you think he's going to get back to that after Tua, or are they now seeing the success that this this air and offense could, could I mean, bring you? It probably could. It, it'll have a lot to do, I'm sure, with who is on his offensive staff because that's just kind of like a uh, revolving door there. But – I think the fact that he's gone to more mobile guys and and Tua especially look Jalen Hurts was great but Tua is more of like a gunslinger like he'll throw you know he'll throw into dangerous spots and sometimes it it doesn't work out and other times right. it, it you know it works out fine but I think that Nick Saban has probably come around to the realization that I can't really win every game you know twenty four to seventeen anymore I got to score points well, and and I, my guess is that he's going to continue to recruit these guys that are more mobile but obviously still are capable throwers. But I think also for this, you have to look at teams like LSU who are now expanding their offense. That kind of puts pressure on right. teams like Alabama, you know? They're not going to... The, the the days of the... What was it? 10-9 in the championship and then 6 nothing or something like that the first time they played? Something like that. When, the we're, LSU, we're, we're talking Alabama about, yeah, game, when, yeah, when Alabama LSU played in the regular season had the repeat in the, the national championship... Yeah, those were, those were like, those are, that's what everyone kind of still thinks of, I think, when you picture the SEC. Yeah, right? exactly, that exactly. That, that's changing quickly, so... Yeah. Um, I think that puts a little pressure on Alabama. But, yeah, man, Tua getting hurt, that, that you hate to see that. I mean, what you want to see play out is every team to have their best players, right. and then you want Alabama to lose then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for that, sure. That's what you want to happen. You don't want it to happen this way. I so. agree. I want them to, Yeah, I want him to play well and lose. Uh, but I did read – I was reading about the surgery that he had done because it's a high ankle sprain. I was reading did about that, Did you see too? this? It's the, I've never heard of a surgery like this. So, apparently what they do, and, of course – I'll preface this with the fact that I am not a doctor. <laughs> I'm probably about the farthest thing from a doctor. I don't know anything about anything. But they basically drilled a hole through one of the bones in his legs, and then they tied like a, a string from like a bone in his knee all the way down to this bone in his foot and his ankle area because I guess what it does is it pulls this small bone in your foot back away from your ankle, and it helps that ankle here heal faster. And I think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. How do they look at this must be the the craziest surgery. They just like straight up drill. It's like putting a straw through your bone and then tying a rope. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like an ACL surgery or something like that, or at least in dogs. Crazy. I I, I know that I was researching uh, a, a girl I used to date. Her dog had to get his his ACL uh-huh. fixed. And so I was kind of looking at this and yeah, they, they they showed like a video of how it's done, and it's so precise. You'd think that it's like, I mean, I picture you know I'm saw, sawing things in the back, like duct there's tape, du- and there there's stuff uh, flying everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's crazy. Like it goes like right through, and then yeah, they get this little uh, uh, kind of like I, you said string. It's obviously a very tough, like you know, right. thing that doesn't break. Also, that's the same for Tommy John surgery that you get in your elbow. Oh, no way. Yeah, they do a little figure eight, and they actually instead of a string, they'll take a ligament from another part of your body. Uh, maybe your knee or something like that, and put it in your in your elbow. And same thing, yeah. They'll drill a couple holes, do a figure eight, tie it right together. It's bizarre how medicine has advanced. Yeah, yeah, man. it is crazy because even I still remember. It wasn't too long ago that if a guy like had the Tommy John thing, he was probably done from pitching. Right and now, it's right. not even a big deal. Yeah, and it's, it's like the same same s- thing with ACLs. Like rem- some like, people like recommend getting Tommy Johns before. Before you, you go to the majors, hurt. right? Before you even get hurt, yeah. Just preemptive surgery. I mean, whatever. If it works, it works. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like even still, like when you and I were in high school, even or maybe in in middle school, you know, kind of the uh, the late, you know, aughts, uh, two thousand eight area. Those uh, 
like even ACLs, it seemed like if a guy tore his ACL, like a lot of times that was like it for his career. Right. And now like guys come back stronger than ever. Um, and so the, the medical advancements are crazy. No, when I heard nice. about that surgery for two, I was like, this is the most insane thing I've yeah, ever let, heard. Let's hope he gets back uh, sooner than later. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, Alabama still gets the job done. It was a little close there for a second. Tennessee was like on the goal line. They were trying to do like a quarterback sneak. I think they were only down two scores. Or maybe they were only down a touchdown. And uh, Jared uh, Garantano, the Tennessee quarterback, fumbled it. An Alabama guy picked it up in the end zone, ran it 100 yards back, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, that but was uh, – They're lucky, man. Close there. If you're Alabama to lose your quarterback, you know, at that point, it wouldn't be a surprise even if they lost to Tennessee. Yeah, I think so too. Get out of there. Get ready for this game. And this is kind of advantageous time for this to happen if there is one. Uh, they got Arkansas this week, should beat Arkansas, and then the bye weeks. So. Yeah, for sure. Um Ohio State Northwestern. So, <laughs> yeah, this was, was this was the first time when we did our our game breakdowns last week where I was like, maybe don't take Ohio State here. <laughs> uh, yeah, should have taken Ohio State, fifty-two to three. My team total under covered for uh, Northwestern. Yeah, yes, it did. <laughs> which I think was only at like ten, wasn't it? Uh, I I I think it was uh, thirteen and a half. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But. Either way, they only scored three. Ohio State <laughs> is insane, and I hate it. They're so good. It's not even just their offense. Their their defense is amazing. I think honestly, I think they're the best team in the country, even uh, including a healthy Tua on Bama. I can't wait to see them in the playoffs, Will, because they're going to be there. Yeah, I think they are. Um, LSU they took care of business at Mississippi State. Yep, Joe Burrow already pa- uh, broke the LSU passing touchdown <laughs> record, and it's only week uh, only through seven games. It's just so crazy. Twenty nine touchdowns. I mean, I mean, honestly, Joe Burrow's doing well, and I know he's a Heisman front runner, but that says more about LSU, right? Than exactly. Uh, like it, it's such a a polar opposite of what we're used to seeing. You oh, know, if twenty nine touchdowns in a season was the record, and he's just already smashing that, it's pretty crazy. I mean, where do you rank Les Miles now in coaches? Like, is he is is Les Miles an average coach anymore? Right now, he's average. But like, I kind of feel like uh, out of one hundred and thirty coaches, though, where would you rank him? I'd still say he, he, that he's up there, just as far as like running a program. Doesn't mean that he's ballpark great. it. Uh, 130. I would I would still put less. I mean, look, the guy won an national championship. I would put him in the top, definitely in the top 30. Oh uh, wow, active, that's optimistic. Active. I mean, look, he, like he, it you know he was stubborn about running that ancient offense at LSU, but even now they're scoring points at Kansas, yeah. uh, and I, I think that if you had given. Uh, Les Miles, this Joe Brady guy that's the passing coordinator at LSU, then things might be going the exact same they are, the way they are now. Yeah, like like uh, Coach O's offense wasn't explosive last year. I really think it's just that they got they finally got a good quarterback in Joe Burrow and they brought in this passing coordinator. And that that that's proves, and I know I've said it a million times, that proves how important coaches are. I oh, mean, yeah, for sure. You bring in, I, I guess not... Pr- how necessarily just how important coaches are, but it, it it makes it so clear. Yeah, how much better some coaches are than others. Yeah, when that sort of stuff it's happens. amplified. Yeah. in a case like they this. come in and, and change things immediately. It happens all over college football every year if you're looking for it. Right, and, and these are the the cream of the crop guys who quickly rise. Yeah, I feel like Les Miles is kind of in the same. Like I view him in the same way as I view Jim Harbaugh, where it's like this: these guys were like exactly what you wanted as a head coach during the 90s and the early right, 2000s, right. but now the game is changing so fast that it doesn't mean they can't win or that they're not still good coaches, but they're not. They're no longer on the cutting edge. But you want to see them make more changes, be more adaptable. Right. That, that, to me, is the biggest sign of... Well, those guys were stuck in a, you know, in their viewpoint. It was like, this is how we've been doing football my whole life. It's always worked. 
but then thing i mean the game especially in college has evolved so much even just in the last like five or ten years so i just feel like it kind of outpaced guys like les miles and maybe jim harbaugh stuck and things like in that. the middle with you <laughs> uh clemson took care of business against louisville yeah and they dropped in the rankings <laughs> i know well <laughs> they just keep on sliding down i know which <laughs> is crazy because they're three now right in the ap they're uh four in the ap no way it goes alabama lsu ohio state clemson wow and oklahoma fifth. but can you blame i mean like you know look clemson we'll see what happens when they probably get to the playoff <laughs> but right now i think those three teams have looked better <laughs> than them so far this season but here's the thing i mean Clemson's played who they can play, and they haven't looked great in every game. But if you're really going to get objective and really start to move Clemson down from one to four, then Ohio State should be the best team in the nation. Like, yeah, I agree. If you're going to start shuffling teams around like that, I don't agree with Alabama one, LSU two, then Ohio State three. I think right. you need to, you know, put make this definitive. Put Ohio State one or whoever. Maybe LSU one and then Ohio. State. I mean, LSU's but Alabama, resume Alabama is super shouldn't good. be one. It, right. It's, it's, I agree. It's because they're Alabama. Right. That makes sense. Uh, Oklahoma takes care of business. And that, for the most part, wraps up the top tier, which, Tyler, no longer includes Wisconsin. No, and you know what? About that Wisconsin game, we're going to do some stock up, stock down a little bit. You wonder who I'm going to have for uh, stock down. I, I brought this sound clip in for Will about the Wisconsin. I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, you're very good looking. I'm not attractive. All right. Yeah, well, I brought that in special uh, for you. Everything for I've ever wanted to hear from you, Tyler. Um, Boy, that was bad last brutal, weekend. Brutal. And I, mean, I stopped watching. Wasn't it like twenty to three or something at one point? Um, am, am I? Th- am I? I'm not sure how the how the flow went, but like just looking at the at the chart right now, you know, it looked like at halftime it was thirteen no, it was to 13. seven. Yeah, Wisconsin. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but. That's just one that is inexcusable, and it doesn't mean that Wisconsin still can't be a very good team and and beat good teams. But you, what you can't do, it'd be one thing if they'd lost to Michigan State or you know or they lose to Ohio State this week or whatever. You can't but lose Illinois. to Illinois. Dude, you can't do no, it. Illinois is. You talk about a team right now that you have to beat. Lovey Smith is like the laughing stock of the Big Ten. Right. I mean, you talk about going from the top to the bottom. Do you trust the ESPN win probability? No, no, not, not really. Because Wisconsin had a 98.2% chance to win with seven minutes to go in the game. And it just, and, and this well, is how overrated the they were. Yeah. But this is how overrated they kind of were is 98.2% to go in the game. And it was essentially a one score game. It was 23 21. And right. yeah, and then it quickly goes down from 74, from 74% to. Illinois having the advantage in about three minutes. Yeah. It's just like... Well, what were they doing, too? Because I get it. Like, even if they're just having a bad game at Illinois, which still is inexcusable, at least if you're going to be at the top tier as far as college football goes, but they could have gotten by with a win if they had just been smart. Like, even... Did you watch the game? uh, I watched the end of it. So, once I knew it was an upset territory, I turned it on, um, and I watched about most of the last... uh, Most of the fourth quarter. And so... Wisconsin was actually up 23 to 14. Yes. And then Illinois scores a touchdown, but even still at that I think at that point there was like 3 minutes to go. Wisconsin has the ball. All they got to do is bleed the clock, like run Jonathan Taylor. Do, do what, what you they do, best. do best. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and then they had I don't know if it was the second or third down, but they passed the ball. I think it was like third and 4 and I think Illinois was like running out of timeouts and they passed the ball and it's like, "Why?" 
Like, kill the clock, run the ball. You'll probably get the first down in the you know anyway. But they throw the ball. Jack Cohen just threw. He threw two picks in the fourth quarter. One of them was that one especially was really bad. You give Illinois the ball back, and then the craziest part was once Illinois gets the ball back, they were just like running, run, running it on with this vaunted Wisconsin defense, like it was no no so thing. So weird. And they get in the field goal range, and then uh, got it. They got it right in the middle of the hashes, and took a timeout. And next thing you know, they're kicking the game winning field goal. I'm going through and looking at the box score, and nothing in the box score says to me Illinois should have won the game. Brandon Peters, their quarterback, nine of twenty one. Uh, he had a forty point eight quarterback rating. Ouch. As a team, they did rush the ball for 141 yards, but that was on 35 carries. They only averaged four yards a carry. Right. Um, their receivers, nine total catches from the receivers. It's like, and, and then you go, you go through Wisconsin. Jack Cohn was 24 for 32, uh, 80 quarterback rating. He had 264 yards. Jonathan Taylor, 28 carries, 132 on the ground. He had a touchdown. This looked like an average Wisconsin day <laughs> right. in a box score. Below average, even. I mean, like, right. the, like they they should be they should be blown out a team like Illinois. Let's be yeah. serious. No, here. no, there's no doubt about it. They did lose uh, two fumbles though, didn't they, Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, like the turnovers killed them for sure. But I think it was more, uh, you know. And look, Paul Chris does a really good job with that program. I think it's really hard. It, it would be hard for a lot of coaches to go in and produce as many wins as they do at Wisconsin when you consider it's just not an easy place to recruit to. Right. He does really well, but he also is kind of known for these kind of bonehead moments where in game situations, like they're all, everyone knows what they do best. They run the ball. And a lot of times at you know, he'll be throwing the ball when it's totally inexcusable and like third and short when you have Jonathan Taylor, who's probably the best running back in the whole, uh, in all of college football. And you have this great offensive line. And sometimes it's almost like he's just outthinking himself. Right. I think, so, yeah, I think so, too. That one's bad. And, yeah, they still everything's still in front of them. Technically, they still are in control of their own destiny. But, you know, you lose to Illinois on the road. How can we expect you to be able to beat Ohio State once or even twice, which no. they'd have to do at this point to make the and, playoff? And people are st- still talking about, well, if Wisconsin can beat Ohio State and they get to the – it's like – Not happening. No, Wisconsin's done. For sure. Yeah. Uh, stay in the Big Ten, Michigan-Penn State. Um Closer than a lot, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. So I was I was expecting Penn State to blow them out. You know, we we gave that out in our in our preview. Michigan ended up covering, um, but they were down twenty one nothing in the first half, and then they they get a touchdown right before the end of the first half. And even still, like I was watching, but once your team is just getting destroyed like that, like I you kind of tune out, you know. Oh so yeah, I, I know. had <laughs> I had other games going, and I was like going, I was scrolling Twitter. And then they score the touchdown. I was like, whatever. And then in the third quarter, they score another touchdown. Now they're down 21-14. I was like, oh, my gosh. Can they actually do this? And mind you, Michigan like almost never comes back when they're down. Under Harbaugh, I can only remember one time where they were down more than 14 points and came back and won, and that was against Northwestern uh, last year. And so normally they're just not built to come back from, from uh, you know, these big deficits. They don't, ha- they don't usually have that kind of offense. And so – they cut it to twenty one fourteen. Penn State strikes again. KJ Hamler, by the way, their receiver is so good. He's so fast, and they kept forcing you know a really favorable mismatch where they would get him on Michigan safeties, who are good safeties by the way, but they're safeties. They're like two hundred ten pounds. They can't keep up with KJ Hamler, who's like you know track level speed. I mean, he's so fast, and so they kept getting these mismatches and then throwing bombs, and then Michigan scores again. Now it's twenty eight twenty one. And then they have the ball, and they're driving down the field in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, it, it's a whiteout game. It's a tough environment. I was so impressed they even got to that point. 
and they have fourth and goal right there. Shea Patterson, who was having the game of his life, he was playing great, and he finds Ronnie Bell in the end zone, and Ronnie Bell drops it, man. No. I, I feel so bad for him. No. I feel so – it was fourth and goal. It was a drop? like a- Yeah, like uh, like hit him right square in the numbers. Like he was, he was like facing him. It wasn't like an awkward angle or anything. And Ronnie Bell, mind you, he's a true freshman – or sorry, a true sophomore and just a stud. Like, the you know, a great kid. He works so hard. He's he, And he may not be, like, the most talented receiver that Michigan has, but all season long, he, he's been the most reliable. The right. guy catches everything. He's a total gamer, just a stud. And you feel so bad for him. Like, after he dropped it, you know, they kept showing him on the sidelines. Like, he's crying and stuff. Like, oh, total, like couldn't like a nice couldn't happen to a nicer kid. And so I feel really bad for him. And as weird as it sounds, like, Michigan loses this game, and I was super disappointed. But I actually left thinking, like, it's almost worse. Like, if they had been blown out, I would have been like, okay, this is exactly what I expected. Michigan has no chance. Now it's going to suck even worse because they're going to give me false hope (laughs) against, like, Ohio State because I'm saying on the road against Penn State, they look tough. Maybe they have a chance because Ohio State. I'm sure they don't, but it's going to get my hopes up. teasing you, Will. Especially if they can play well against Notre Dame this week. But it was the first time all year long that Michigan's offense looked good. They, like, had sustained drives. They were forcing – Penn State off the ball, uh, their offensive line was. And Shea Patterson played great. The receivers, man, there were like five huge drops. Jim Harbaugh after the game bitched about the refs, which I hate. I mean, yeah, there, like there were a couple calls that, that I think uh, were, were pretty bad. There was a, a missed pass interference on a fourth down earlier in the first half that uh, should have gone Michigan's way and it didn't. But, like, that's the way it goes. And Harbaugh just continues to be himself. You know, afterwards he, he whines about the refs, and I don't like that. No, it was, it was a really good game. I can't believe Michigan stayed in it. That says a lot about Michigan. Well, I think it says a lot about Michigan, but we're still finding out who these teams are. And, and, right. and I thought that you know Penn State was going to bring that heavy offense in and really put that on display. So right. we'll see through the season how – and that's that's the truth serum is you see how a lot of these teams do throughout the year. If Penn State ends up running the table, anything like that, I mean, that, that looks like a very, very good game for Michigan if Penn State ends up. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. And now with with their second loss, both in the Big Ten, like that now, now all that Michigan has to look forward to, you know, it would take a crazy scenario for them to even have a chance to win the division now. They'd need Ohio State to lose once before and then Michigan beat them and they'd need Penn State to lose twice and that's just not going to happen. So now the only thing they can look forward to is is trying to spoil Ohio State's season. That's literally the only goal they have that's left. So they can weird. beat Michigan State and then after that it's like it's not that the Notre Dame game and the Michigan State game aren't big, but as far as like season goals go, their chances at playing the Big Ten Championship are basically gone. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's a crusher. Do you think they have a letdown this week because of that? Uh, it's tough, man. I, it's definitely possible, but the other way to look at it is that they they fought so hard in that second half and they played. It's funny because after, you know, at halftime of the game, they're getting blown out. It's 21-7, but it doesn't feel like Michigan has a chance. And then... You know, usually when the teams come back out, one of the sideline reporters like talks to the coach or whatever. And I, I think it was uh, wasn't Holly Rowe. It was um, I can't remember her name. Um, really pretty sideline reporter for ESPN. And she she said she talked to Jim Harbaugh and that he said the second half would be. I'm paraphrasing here, but something like, you know, it'll be like the best the best second half of of these kids' lives. And I remember thinking like. <laughs> like yeah right we're gonna it's gonna we're gonna get blown out and then it ended up being really great and they had a chance there and they lost it and so I almost feel like Michigan could 
could take away positives from this and say, you know, we went into Penn State where we've been blown out, you know, the last couple times we played there and gave them a shot, a real shot. But the other way to look at it too is that it kind of felt like James Franklin started doing crazy James Franklin things there in the second half and, you know, giving Michigan a chance. Yeah, man. Like if they just keep throwing the ball deep, they were just killing Michigan with that. Like I, I saw some crazy stat. It was like on, on, uh, Penn state got almost half their yards on just four plays. Um, wow. And then on, you know, and they were all like big, there was a, a big run play and then like three huge passes to KJ Hamler. And if they didn't have those, uh, Michigan basically held them like three yards per, per play. It's crazy. So I don't know. I don't know what to think about that one. It was a tough loss for Michigan, but I ended up feeling at least like, okay, good. They didn't get their asses kicked. They played them tough. Yeah, they did. I mean, it was a very good game. Michigan looked good, and uh, Jim Harbaugh was right about the second half. They came out and <laughs> came out swinging, man. Ugh. Couldn't get the win, though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's see here. Georgia gets the bounce back win. They beat Kentucky. Wasn't a very exciting game, though. 21 nothing. Florida beats South Carolina, which you and I both predicted they cover the spread. That yeah, was but nice. I don't. Uh, I was not looking too good going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, South Carolina they scored twenty one points. Yeah, yeah, it was. And that's funny because oh, there, it, there, I think there, it was tied going into the fourth quarter. Was wasn't it? it? Yeah. Um, oh no, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, that, that that's the funny thing is sometimes you're on different sides of it. It's like either when when I'm not on the side of that, I go well, you know, the what? Do they only play three quarters of football? The fourth quarter doesn't count, and then. You know, when when you have it on the other side, it's like, well, they had the fourth quarter, all these points. But overall, if I could take that back, I was nervous throughout most of that game. South right. Carolina looked much more yeah, you're right, prepared, they, they looked ready tough, to go. But yeah. it, like it, it did at least seem like Florida's the better team, and they kind of pulled away. But you're right, South Carolina. Maybe it's just that they have played such a tough schedule, and so they're being a little bit underrated. Could be that, but ultimately. Florida gets it done and they yeah, cover. Yeah, they did. Ended up covering too. So, um, let's see here. Utah, Arizona State. This game burned me too. So I was big on Arizona State, and luckily I teased them. So they were thirteen and a half point underdogs. I teased them to twenty one and a half, which they cover. Oh, what they lose by? Uh, they lost by uh, eighteen. Okay. And so it was twenty one three final score. But honestly, they could have covered the normal spread. I feel like this has happened to me a few times this year where. Uh, Arizona State had a big stop and there was like five minutes left in the fourth quarter and Utah has to punt and they're going to, at this point I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, Arizona State's probably got this because even if they don't score on this drive, they punt and then all Utah does is get like a first down and then kneel or whatever and then Utah punts and the Arizona State player muffs it. He muffs <laughs> it and, and then they give Utah the ball at like the 25-yard line and Utah scores in the first play. Oh no. So Utah ends up covering brutal way to lose that like uh, you know that's a loss that uh it may have worked out in my teaser but i was still pissed off about because right. i picked them in our, in our games and i had them you know in a different bet and so that's my least favorite way to lose i think is is that when the team that you think is going is covering and is going to win is getting the ball and they muff it and the other team scores especially in a team it was a game where like no one could score it was like it was raining Ugh. Yeah, Arizona State's offense was a big story of that game because their defense really did a good job. Even though they gave up the 21 points, I right. think they still did a good job on the road, Rice yeah. Eccles Stadium. That was more about that offense, it just not able to get going. You ever been to a game at Rice Eccles? No, no. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah? Yeah, I went to Jim Harbaugh's first game was there, actually, at Michigan at Utah, and I went for that 
small stadium, loud as hell, super great fans, uh, a really good home home field advantage. And, uh, yeah, I definitely encourage anyone, uh, you know, if, if you live in that area, in that southwest area, there's not a lot of stadiums you can go to and uh, bunch together. But if you're in Salt Lake City and you can catch a game there, highly recommend it. Rice Eccles. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who that is. Uh, but maybe it has something to do with rice. <laughs> Could be. Uh. Maybe it's some guy named Rice Eccles. No, that's a stretch. <laughs> uh, Texas almost loses to Kansas. 50 to 48. The Mad Hatter, Les Miles, top 30 coach in <laughs> college football. <laughs> he almost gets it done. It's funny because when we were, uh, before we were doing our show notes for last week, I thought about putting this game on here and I was like, could this be a spot where Les Miles gets his team up? And I was like, no way. Texas is going to have to blow him out. I won't put it on here. And Texas was lucky to get the win here. Uh, Kansas went for two at one point in the fourth quarter. I mean, this game was crazy. It was unbelievable. There was, uh, f- let's see, 50 points scored in the fourth quarter alone. But Isn't this that was, insane? This was the ultimate letdown game for Texas, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. the emotional letdown after the Oklahoma game. But also, like their defense is so depleted with injuries. Like they might just be in shootouts the whole rest of the way. And what you know? What do they have to play for at this point? Well, what do they have to play for? I mean, are they second in the Big Twelve right I now? I guess if they went out, they'd probably get a chance at Oklahoma again. So maybe there's that. Because um, well, if they went out, they they would would have beaten Baylor. Well, Baylor, yeah, they're now and, knocking on the door. Uh, seven yeah, for sure. That was what I was going to talk about next, Tyler. Baylor. You know, I told you last week. You asked me about our bet board yes. where you were four and zero against me. Yes. And being the nice guy that I am. I'm a good friend. I'm a great guy all around. I told you I wanted to get you. I wanted to get your confidence up. Get you a few wins early in the season. Build, so, so you're just following your strategy you up. right now. Yeah, like this is what I'm saying is this is just evidence that that I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> I started out 0 and 4 on purpose just to give you a little something, build you up before I break you down. It's a dangerous game you're playing there. Well, <laughs> dangerous game. Baylor <laughs> hammers Oklahoma State. They score. 35 points in the second half. Let me say something about this game. In a day where I got my ass kicked in a lot of sports, it was rough in soccer, it was rough in hockey, this is one game that I was okay with because I knew I wasn't on the right side. Baylor was the better team. Baylor moved the ball in Oklahoma State's defense, which you were right about. Oklahoma State didn't have the defense to stay in this thing, Yeah. and Baylor was the right side that game. So it's not as if it went back and forth and, and Baylor scored late. No, Baylor, Baylor deserved should, to win. They deserve to yeah. win. They deserve to cover. Well, now it's 4-1 on the bet board. 4-1. I'm just going to continue this comeback. By the end of the season, Tyler, you're just going to be begging me to stop. Not, you know? I, I, I'm I'm glad you're getting <laughs> cocky now because now we're going to have some great sound bites for when I go on a little three-game heater. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, <laughs> SMU beat Temple. They're 7-0, by the way. Good hey on the, uh, the ponies. The Pony Express. You ever bet on ponies? No, actually, one actually that's a lie. I, I've I went to a horse track in San Diego one time. Yeah, this was uh, I don't know maybe five years ago, and I had never gambled on horses. I was actually there for a concert. I was with some family, and there was a concert afterwards. So if you go to the horse tracks, you got free admission to the concert in the parking lot <laughs> okay. afterwards, right? So I go in, and I don't know anything about betting on horses, and uh, I go in, and there were uh, three la- three races remaining. And so the first two, like I, I was just being dumb. I was just picking the horses with the longest odds. And of course, the first two, I, I didn't win anything. The last one I pick once again, the, the horse with the lowest chance to win. I want to say it was like thirty-nine to one odds, right? And uh, I put down like five, like three or four dollars. It was nothing. 
and uh, they come out of the gate, and the horse I'm betting on, I remember he was number three. I'll never forget him. I don't remember <laughs> his name. I should have remembered that. But he comes out so slow. There's like a pack of horses, and then he's like he's like 30 yards behind all of them. And I'm like, great. I'm terrible at this. And then the race is going on. By the time he's coming around that third turn, all of a sudden he's gaining. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Is this really going to happen? He's gaining. He's gaining on the outside. He comes down the stretch. At this point, I'm like Kramer and Seinfeld. I'm right. like, I'm up. I'm like, come on, yeah, come exactly. On. <laughs> I'm getting crazy. I'm like, come on, three, come on, three. And it was like almost a photo finish. He came, it was really close. He ended up winning by just a few. Oh, feet. he won. He won. <laughs> and I won like 100, 140 or something like that on a three dollar bet. And I bought everybody drinks. It was so much fun. That's great. And my man. only time at the horse track. Uh, I, I I've never been to an actual horse track. My degenerate friend in high school. Took us to Red and Jerry's. I, I forgot about I'll that. I'll tell place. you. Oh, you know who I'm talking about? Well, no, I forgot about Red and Jerry's. No, I, uh, who are you? Are you talking about Joe? No. It, well, I saw. I <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Say, no, I don't think we should <laughs> say his name on here, but no, it wasn't Joe. It was a quarterback of. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yep. he. he uh, Noted degenerate. Yeah, exactly. If you're he, listening out there, he would take all the under <laughs> all his underage friends to Red and Jerry's and we'd <laughs> go bet on the ponies there. And if you're ever in Vegas, one of the new games that was installed in almost every casino around Vegas about a year and a half or two years ago, it's fake horses. Now, it's not the old fake horses because they've had weird different fake horses for, you know, decades in Vegas where they were, these are, it's it's actual horses that, that go around, they're, they're, they're little plastic. Yeah, they're little plastic <laughs> and there's this little track you watch and it gives you all this like fake information about it. How and much do people bet on this stuff? It's Don't one you of the feel most like it would be rigged? It is one of the most popular things. No and, way. Oh, people love this. And I eat it up. I eat it. I love the fake horses, man. I'll go okay. sit down and put 20 bucks I in. I bet it's fun. If oh, the whole so crowd's around it, it's, it's probably so a blast. Much fun. It's so much fun, man. It's like a so, craps table. You just yeah, want to exactly. go where all the people are. Exactly. Uh, so SMU undefeated 7-0. and Minnesota also, of course, they beat Rutgers, so that doesn't mean anything. 7-0. and Both those teams ranked, by the way. SMU and Minnesota in the top 20. Pretty crazy. I don't have much to say on Minnesota. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, tough loss for Missouri. They had won five straight after they lost their first game against Wyoming, and then they lose to Vanderbilt. Ugh. Bad losses on the schedule for Missouri. Really bad. At Wyoming is one on thing because it's kind of a trap game, but to lose at Vanderbilt, who was two and four, or excuse me, one and one and five going into this game, and they only Missouri only scores fourteen points. Ugh. That's a tough one. Not very good. Yep. Uh, anything else you had on this weekend, Tyler? Uh, you didn't mention the Sooner Schooner tipping over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you see this? I did. I can't believe I forgot to mention it. I can't believe I didn't make a note of it. So this is <laughs> – I've always wondered about this when you have wild mascots or wild animals on the sideline. Like every time you and I go to a CU Buffs game, the only thing I can think of, and it's I love the tradition. Seeing Ralphie run is great. Seeing the Sooner Schooner wagon run, it's great. It's an awesome tradition. I'm not advocating to get rid of it at all. But at some point, something bad is going to happen. You're, it's you're inevitable. Right. Animals, yeah. Ralphie is going to get is going to pull away from or the Cowboys. Bevo is going to yeah. do something at Texas. Dude, or... if Ralphie gets loose on the field, it's going to be a massacre. I know. She, she's going to obliterate everyone. I mean, a wild bison just like murdering people <laughs> on the sideline, and so. Like this, the the Sooner Schooner, I think the school came out, Oklahoma came out and just said it was a weight issue. So everyone that was in the back of the wagon, yeah. they were all on the right side. So when the horses made a hard left turn, it just went tipping but over. But did you see the replay? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It looked bad. It Dude, looked like horrible. The, two, the guy and the girl that were driving fell from super high up. I mean, they're sitting at like 
seven, eight feet. Yes. And they got flung. And luckily, like the ho- they wrangled the horses. They said no one was really hurt, so that's good. But I didn't know they keep people in the back of the wagon. I didn't. Why? Why were they just hiding back there? What's the point? Is it for weight? Uh, is, is it, it like a? Is it like a charity thing? Well, yeah. My, it maybe off? it's just like if you're on the sideline. Maybe it is. Like if you if you're in the know, you can get a ride in the yeah. wagon. But they were all on the right side, so the horses take this sharp left turn and. It just goes spilling over, and that's a I really sharp turn. Oh I mean, yeah, they're pulling a U on the highway. I almost right wonder there. if that was like the horses getting a little spooked Maybe, or something. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it was a sharp turn, and that's just like one of those things. It's the same thing with last year when Bevo tried to kill Uga in the bowl game when know. Texas playing Georgia. That's like a you just know that that's a clip that we'll see when they're on a college football Saturday for years and years and years to come. It's just one of those funny things that happens that I just loved seeing. And obviously, I'm glad no one was hurt. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but it was hilarious, right? And then, yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> and then uh, I had a problem with the Southern or the Georgia Southern Coastal Carolina game. Now, I know it's not a very high-profile game, but what happened here is it is – this is kind of an intense matchup. It happens every year. Yeah. Uh, again, I know Georgia Southern Coastal Carolina not on a whole lot of people's radars. I was on Coastal Carolina there, by the way. But were you really? Uh, against the spread. They were like seven-and-a-half-point <laughs> dogs. I got them. And so uh, there, these teams come out after halftime. And you know how a lot of times teams will kind of get face-to-face and start talking smack to one another and the referees have to break them up? This often happens before the game starts. Right. Well, this happened at halftime. At halftime, I guess, of the Coastal Carolina games, they'll play a different pump-up song at every halftime. This time they played Mo Bamba, and these guys were just getting hyped up. But what happened is each team was only about 10 yards off their sideline. These teams were a good 30 yards apart from each other. Oh, wow. They were nowhere close, and they were lined up sort of as a team, dancing, sort of like to the music. Each team was doing it. So it was a dance-off. It was a dance-off. The referees fucking throw penalty flags on everyone on the team and it, as a personal foul. And remember, in college football, if you get two personal fouls in a you're game, out. you're gone. So that ejected a three, couple players. three players no way. from Georgia Southern and one player from Coastal Carolina. No Four way. Players in total How did I not know this? Gone because the goddamn referees thought that the kids dancing. They weren't even fighting? They, it wasn't not even fighting, not even next to one another. No way. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. They throw a flag. They, it, that's a game changer that those guys are now gone. It's like... That's huge. That has to be change like let these kids those, have some you think fun. those refs were on coastal carolina with me? <laughs> probably i'm not gonna lie to you maybe i had a little advanced knowledge there yeah, maybe they uh want to bet <laughs> what would you like to bet on it maybe they had some <laughs> cash on that game but i just saw that i wanted to mention it because that rubbed me the wrong way i don't have any money on it i don't watch any of those teams but if my team was involved there and overall for college football isn't that the essence of college football, right? That's why we love it and it's so different th- from the yeah, NFL. And they're it's kids. The, exactly. Like it'd be one thing if they were like actually like maybe talking shit or they were fighting, but if they just were literally dancing, dancing. Just dancing, doing nothing so far away from each other now, and four players get tossed. Are you familiar with the movie Footloose, Tyler? Because maybe this no, is the my town left shoe where... Isn't tied on very tight right maybe, now. Maybe... Oh, boy. So I'll, I'll just fill you in. We'll add this to the list of movies, classic movies Tyler's never seen. Not let, that I... I don't even think Footloose is a great movie, just so you know. It's just classic. But before you tell me about Footloose, let's let the audience know of a segment we're adding next week. Yes. So for those who've been listening, you're kind of catching on to the fact that I haven't watched a whole lot of... Uh, well, what everyone else calls good movies. I did watch the <laughs> Between Two Ferns documentary a few weeks ago. But what we... Uh, no one's calling that a good movie. Yeah, so I've gotten a challenge now. 
uh, from a couple people I work with, Will included. What I'm going to do, every week starting next week, it'll be after the show, after we talk some football, I'm going to give an outdated movie review for old movies that I'm sure all of you have seen. And then after I do that, Will is going to review my movie review. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be fun. So, Will, what do I need to... No, We'll, we'll save... Tell me later what I need to watch this week, but yeah, just tell me about Footloose Just right Footloose. So the, the basic plot line is it's like a... It's this rural town where they outlawed dancing and like like you know and, and all the high school kids want to dance but they they get thrown in jail if they can't dance and when then this is made. and then oh 70s or okay, 80s cuz like, like dance. this was Kevin Bacon's first big movie is like what he was famous for and then of course he dances and then they get the town to change the laws and everyone's happy and so maybe this game <laughs> took movie. place in that same town where Footloose took place and the oh. dancing is actually against the law Maybe the reps weren't out of line, Tyler. You know, I didn't think about the Footloose scenario. <laughs> There's always that. All I know is that you don't want to be on the lawn of any of those refs. Those are like definitely old, get off my lawn kind of guys. They're like, all right, these damn kids are dancing. I'm going to throw a flag. Can't blame them, man. That grass is <laughs> fragile out there. Every time I saw a do- I see a dog peeing on mine, I'm running out in my robe. Hey, what are you? <laughs> Can't you pee in the neighbor's yard? I or I go talk to him. That. Or I just go talk to him about my I new drain. I just got my new drain installed so, uh, back there, Sonny. Yeah, what well, you been up? Oh, you know, get the new drain put in. Uh, you want to go look at it? I'll show everyone the drain. Yeah, yeah. gonna get new gutters next <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, put a new coat of paint on there. Yeah, well, you'll hold down the old man demographic for the I show, and I'll hold down uh, for the youngins. You know, for our generation. Uh, I don't get you anymore, Will. All right, week eight done. Tyler, let's do some stock up, stock down. Stock up, stock down. All right, so I'll go first. I'm okay. going to give you my stock up, and then we'll kind of rotate How from many there. teams do you have? Uh, well, I may not, it may not oh, necessarily just have teams on. here. Okay. okay. I'll, I've got uh, what I have is uh, just two stock ups, and I've got uh, two stock downs. So there you go. That's stock all you need up, to know. Stock, stock up <laughs> on cats. The stock on cats is as high as possible. And let me tell you why, Tyler. They're good animals. They are good animals. They're agile, Mm -hmm. uh, murderous in some cases. Here are uh, some some winning cats from this Saturday. The Pitt Panthers, LSU Tigers, Clemson Tigers, Penn State Nittany Lions, Auburn Tigers, BYU Cougars, Cincinnati Bearcats, Houston Cougars, Ohio Bobcats, Kansas State Wildcats, Memphis Tigers, Washington State Cougars, right? Gosh, I'm getting confused here. Georgia State Panthers, FIU Panthers, all winners, only six losers from all the cat teams in the FBS. 14 and six for cats this Saturday, Tyler. Have you ever seen the musical Cats? No. Mr. Mistopheles is one of my favorite characters. Uh, it's it's coming out in theaters late December. Uh, of I course, can, you're, you're I can, like cats. I can, I can sing you the, I'd rather, one of the main songs. I, I wish you wouldn't. Oh, Grizabella just belts it out at the end. It's, it's amazing. Sounds great for your own other time, Tyler. Maybe, maybe not on maybe our time. Maybe karaoke night. <laughs> Did I tell you my favorite karaoke bar got shut down in Denver? Yeah. I, you and I had it a certain night there where Tyler, let's <sighs> say, bombed. Oh, that's very subjective, sir. Mm, I'm not sure that you remember <laughs> it too well. I remember it very well. You bombed, Tyler. They booed you uh, off stage. It wasn't, uh, wasn't one of my better moments. Cats, 14 and 6. Okay. Uh, in the FBS, stock go. up on cats. Stock up. What's your stock up, Tyler? I have boring stock up, stock downs. Okay. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie, I'm gonna tether two together here. Okay. I'm gonna do a two a surgery and tie two together here. Oregon and Florida, two big name teams who could have let 
losses get them off track. Oregon, the early loss against Auburn way early in the season, they've rebounded now, climbing in the polls, have a very good shot to to be the, I think right now they're the best Pac-12 team, no doubt about it. Yeah. And if weird, weird things happen, they're putting themselves in the spot to be in the conversation. Right. So Oregon stock goes up there, and Florida, we just mentioned them bouncing back, uh, beating South Carolina, all, albeit a comeback win. Florida's proving to me that they were, I had them, a little underrated to start the season. Quarterback injuries, they're fighting like hell. I think Florida and Oregon definitely stock up for two big-name programs who a lot of people probably saw uh, – falling down after a couple losses yeah like at this point i think everyone was just penciling in georgia for the sec east and now that florida georgia game is going to be really big and i think florida's got a real chance there i would agree with you except i just don't think many people use pencils anymore <laughs> <laughs> you're right so text it in yeah, use you your go. check there emoji you for yeah. that game uh, use, use the twitter <laughs> okay uh, my stock down. Stock down. Stock up was birds. Stock down, or excuse me, stock. Oh no, Dang you're it, ruining I just blew it. it. <laughs> stock up was cats. Stock down is birds. How did you not tell me to get an always sunny drop where they called you a bird for this? Uh, that would have been perfect. I was not thinking. Bird. I was too busy focusing on the birds. Who we had a lot of losing birds this Saturday. FAU Owls, Louisville Cardinals, South Carolina. Excuse me, Louisville Cardinal, South Carolina Gamecocks, Kansas Jayhawks, Temple Owls. Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, Bowling Green Falcons, Southern Miss Golden Eagles, Rice Owls. They lose to uh, UTSA. That's bird on bird violence. Oh, stock down on birds. Stock down on the losers. You lose. Good day, sir. Well, I already mentioned my stock down, and I'm not going to replay the sound clip because, well, Wisconsin, <laughs> not as good as I thought they were. And I, how can you blame me? Yeah, they no, looked so I good up to you. last year. Yeah. They had four shutout wins. They beat every team except for the trap spot against Northwestern. Look, but it'd I be guess one. For, yeah, for a team like this, it's inevitable. It'd be one thing if they just lost to Ohio State like everyone expected. It's just especially bad they lost to Illinois. So, all right, stock. I down. like your stock up, stock downs. They're more creative than mine. Uh, my other stock up, coaching rumors. I have just in the last couple of weeks have seen that Urban Meyer has been rumored to Southern Cal, also now to Florida State apparently. Uh, if, if they get rid of Willie Taggart and NFL teams might come after Urban Meyer. And I just saw something today, which I think it, it, this happens every year. It's Jim Harbaugh is going to leave to go back to the NFL, which they've been saying literally every year he's been at Michigan. He may be fired, uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. And uh, it's just more. It wasn't. Isn't, isn't that smart though of Jim Harbaugh to always put your name out there? Because yeah, then, but I don't even think this was him putting his name out there. You're right. It's probably good to like keep to dangle that carrot, but. This came from like a it didn't come from Adam Schefter or someone. This came from just like some garbage website that you know didn't have legit sources. Like every year, it's like oh he's taking the Raiders job, he's taking the Colts job, he's taking the Dolphins job. I just don't see it personally. Um, so that's my other stock up coaching rumors. Uh, my other stock up is Appalachian State. Right now they're looking like the team who's going to go undefeated. That's not a Power Five team. Boise loses. Um, UCF lost a couple weeks ago, so it's kind of all up to App State now. You know a lot about Appalachian State because they beat Michigan in like the most <laughs> famous upset in the last 10 years or yeah. whatever it was, 20 years maybe now at this point. It was point. like 2005 or six, I think. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's a while ago. Sure was. Anywho, uh, App remember. State, my stock up. Stock up! Good for them. App State. Okay. Uh, my other stock down, Tyler Walgie for oh, his Oklahoma State pick. Oh, God. The stock is down. It was, you, you know, you got to buy low, sell high. and when he you sell stock when it's high when Tyler's 4-0. <laughs> now you want to buy Will's stock. He's coming back. Wait, wouldn't they want to buy it last week? 
It's still low. Oh, okay. You know, you're still four and one. See? But you're right. If you had bought in last week, man, that that stock would be worth some serious change right now. Well, well, I gotta say, you know, we're gonna <laughs> bounce back. I don't let a couple losses tear me down. That's one thing about me, Will. That's right. We're uh, back better than ever this week. That's all we got for stock up, stock down. So cool, so cool. Is Next that it? Up, uh, team traders. Uh, so I sent this to you. It was a little idea I had the other night, and I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking so. What what brought it into my mind? I was thinking very selfishly about how <laughs> how surprise. successful Michigan would have been during the Jim Harbaugh era if they were just in the Pac-12. <laughs> oh God, they would have <laughs> won so it every year. They would have made the playoff at some point. I mean, they would have been re- they would have been really great. It would have been nice. And obviously, uh, it's sad that I have to think that way. But I was thinking that way. So I was thinking, all right. So maybe this will be a fun exercise. Pick some teams. To trade conferences. You promised me we didn't have to exercise on this show. <laughs> you're right. A mental exercise. If that's too much for you, Tyler, then I think you're uh you know, and we'll see you next helpless. week, Will. <laughs> so the idea is you take a couple of conferences, primarily in the Power Five, and you trade teams and give your reason why you think it'd be great. So for first example. There you go. Give me an example here. I want Notre Dame to the Big Ten. And uh, I know they're independent, so I'll trade out Rutgers. Rutgers can be independent, and no one can care about them at all. But Notre Dame, to me, just seems like a Big Ten team. I know they play ACC games, but they're in the Midwest. They fit in so well with the likes of Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State. They just seem like a perfect fit. And I know the Big Ten wanted them at one point, uh, and Notre Dame declined and and wanted to stay semi-independent. But if I could have it anyway, I, like, I'd love to have Notre Dame, especially in the Big Ten West, which would kind of help even out the divisions at that point. Yeah. It seems like all the powerful teams in the Big Ten are in the Big Ten East. I mean, Notre Dame usually plays the ACT, ACC teams, but geographically, the Big Ten makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that. That'd be good. Okay. How many How do many you got? I got uh, two. So uh, that was my first two, one. Two left? Or two total? Uh, two total. I all right, could... cool. So I have three, okay. but I'm going to give them all three at once because they all have to do with the SEC. Now, uh, let, let's face it, folks. I know a lot of you out there like to shit on the SEC, but they're the best conference in football. So here's what we got to do with my trades today. We're just going to bolster up the SEC and make them the best conference by far in, in the country. <laughs> we're trading. We're getting rid of the two powerhouses in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve because everyone else, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, man, they're 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 child's play. Oklahoma for Missouri, get Missouri back in the Big 12, they don't have a shot, okay. and Texas for Vandy. So we're getting rid of the cream of the crop in the Big 12, putting them in the SEC, Mizzou, Vandy out, and then Clemson, bringing them in for Kentucky. So the SEC now has nice. Alabama, Auburn, OU, Texas, Clemson. And then I want no the one SEC. can watch anything else. Yeah, exactly. Just all SEC football. I'd like having Texas and Texas A&M in the same conference again. That's a rivalry we lost thanks to conference realignment. I'd be down for that. It's funny because I picked Clemson to the SEC for my next one. But instead, I swapped out Florida. And Florida. to me, yeah, so, I mean, Clemson, everyone gets it. They just feel like Florida. an SEC team. They belong in the SEC. I want to see them playing an SEC schedule and not just always have, you know, kind of the cakewalk they get in the yeah, ACC. Yeah, that's a good point. The and ACC needs to get better, man. I agree. And then Florida going to the ACC fits because they belong with the other Florida schools. Florida State and Miami are, are all there. Why not just make the whole state of Florida an ACC thing? You can take Central Florida to whatever you want. It's lame that Florida doesn't play Miami and Florida State every single year. Well, I think you're onto something there. Okay. I think you've uh, begun, begun to turn over some leaves. <laughs> Thanks again to sh- show sponsor Wise Money Sports. We talk about it all the time. Wise Money Sports is really cool. You get 
professional picks from a handful of different gamblers that uh, you know are experts in various sports. Some of them do soccer and hockey. Some do football, baseball, basketball season starting. I'm sure we'll get some basketball picks in there too. And so it's really cool. Like this weekend, there was a good one that uh, that I picked up that I wasn't on. It was Everton. And uh, Everton uh, was a it was on the Wise Money portfolio. I don't bet a lot of Premier League soccer, but I ended up picking that one. Won me some money. Just a great example. And it's not just picks too. You can get one on one consultation with a professional sports betting broker. So check them out online, WiseMoneySports.com, and on Twitter at WiseMoneySports. All right, Tyler. Week nine. Week nine. So there's a lot of good games this weekend, but uh, I think we, we're going to narrow it down to just a handful here uh, for the games we're breaking down. So let's get right into it. First up, Penn State at Michigan State. Penn State, a six-and-a-half-point road favorite here. Look, Michigan State, they're coming off a bye week and a much-needed bye week for sure. Uh, the Spartans had lost two straight games. They're now 4-3 and three on the season. And the defense that we all expected, I know I expected them to be one of the best in the nation, they're, they've given up 32 points per game in their last three games. And the offense has been even worse. They scored just 10 points against Ohio State and then were shut out against Wisconsin. I think everyone kind of expected Michigan State's offense to still struggle, but to see the defense giving up big points, that's not what anyone expected. A huge disappointment for them. And we just saw how explosive Penn State's offense can be against Michigan with guys like Sean Clifford and KJ Hamler and the committee of running backs they have there. And so you look at how bad the Spartan offense is. This seems like a no brainer, right? Cause Penn state's defense is so great. Only problem is that Michigan state has won two straight against the Nittany lions and five of the last six. So given the recent history of how well Mark D'Antonio's teams have fared against James Franklin's teams combined with the extra week for Sparty to prepare Normally, I think I'd be all over Michigan State here, but they've burned me too many times this year. I've lost all trust in Mark D'Antonio to figure it out, and both teams just feel different to me than what they have been in recent history. I think this Penn State team really is, you know, I think they have, if they can beat Ohio State, they're probably going to make the playoff. I think they're that good. So I'm taking Penn State here, minus six and a half. Obviously, a little hesitant just because of maybe a letdown factor after the Michigan game last week and the recent history with Michigan State. But at this point, I just don't think you can trust the Spartans. When you start looking at Michigan State's numbers, to me it's very difficult to predict game to game what you're going to get because in their in their wins, they're averaging 37 and a half points. Right. That's crazy. I mean, I mean it just comes out of nowhere. They're averaging 37 and a half points in their wins, but then they lose 10-7 Arizona State, 34-10 to Ohio State, 38 nothing to Wisconsin. Right. 5.8 points per game in those games. So it's very uh, volatile. The results this year for Michigan State, not really predictable. And on top of that, Mark D'Antoni, or D'Antonio has had a bye week. Yeah, I think that's worth a lot for a coach like Mark D'Antonio, especially after all that criticism. Not that he's going to go into the offensive room and start changing things, but I think a week off helps Michigan State and a lot of other teams. And I think we could see a bit of a letdown with from Penn State. They got all they got very excited for that uh, game last week. College game day was there. It was the wideout. But sometimes offense just overwhelms, and I can't help but ignore the fact. Look, I, I think that Michigan played a good game last week, but honestly. I look at the fact that Penn State was up 21-0, and sometimes, call it James Franklin, maybe Penn State's just not a championship-level team, when you get up 
at halftime or late in the game, we saw the same thing from Wisconsin. Great teams hold those leads. Penn State let that go. Right. So I think that Penn State learned from that. I think they're going to get better from that. I'm, I don't think James Franklin's going to get rid of any, any of his bad habits anytime soon. But I do believe that Penn State's offense will eventually overwhelm Michigan State through the, through the four quarters. I don't want to make this a, a game or anything like that. This is a pass for me. Uh, just because the volatility in Michigan State's offense, very tough right. for me to predict. But if I had to, I, I would lean Michigan State here uh, up to seven. So six and a half would be, would be my buy price. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'd be tempted to be on that same side just given the fact that, like you said, it's a bye week. And the recent history, if Mark D'Antonio shows he's really good against one coach, I don't like betting against it. And, you know, look, the Penn State defense is great, but they gave up, like, they were outgained, actually, by Michigan ended up with more total yards than Penn State. I think they had 430 uh, yards of total offense Michigan did against Penn State. So maybe that shows uh, some vulnerabilities there that Michigan State can exploit when they're playing Penn State. But I just don't think that you can bet on this Michigan State offense. They can't run the ball. Brian Lewerke uh, has been very volatile. He has good games here and bad games there, and I think that Penn State's defense just ultimately will shut them down. And uh, look, at you know a touchdown road favorite. I don't always love laying those points, but I think in this case well, I'm going to take Penn State. But also keep in mind that Michigan State is almost a better team on the road against the spread. They kind of are that team that Right, but that they're, they're at home here, though. Chip, no, that's my point. Oh, okay. Keep in mind, though, Michigan State goes on the road. They're the kind of team to play with that chip on their shoulder and get right. excited for road games. Home games will. Michigan State's last 12 home games, 2-10 and 10 against the spread. Oh, wow. So definitely in, in, in Penn State's favor there. Yeah, so Michigan State's one of those teams that I love playing on when their backs are against the wall. No one thinks they're going to do anything. You know, the Michigan State's ter- they're going on the road usually in a hostile right. environment. When they're at home, and it, it, this is a small spread. I mean, five and a half, six and a half, that's not that many points. Yeah. Not a great spot for Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, if they lose this one, they drop to four and four. I was just reading today that Mark D'Antonio has a clause in his contract that if he is the head coach starting, I think it's like the third week in January of next year, he gets a $4 million bonus. Oh. Yeah. Kind of wonder if maybe Michigan State will say, we can save $4 million and get rid of a coach who you know hasn't been winning recently. What would tough, you, tough call. What would the first thing be that you would buy if you were given a $4 million check? Oh, you know what? I'd love to be like, I would buy stocks and invest. No, I would buy like my dream car. Would you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I for sure would. I've I'd, always been one of those guys that if I had millions of dollars. You're a car guy. Yeah, like I, I've always loved a bunch of different cars. I would be a guy where my house wouldn't be huge, but my garage would fit like 10 cars. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. probably be the first thing I would buy. And then I would save and you know put some in stocks and buy a house. But I think the very first, I would splurge on a car that day. I'd give to charity, Will. I'm sure <laughs> you would, I would get. Uh, I would get season ticket floor seats for the nugs oh i love it i would get season tickets great av seats yes. great broncos i would get best season tickets for every everything in Denver. i would definitely be a, like the, the type of guy where i would go to every big sporting event all the oh, time yeah. i'd always be on the road going to whatever the wouldn't big you game have was. nuggets floor tickets i would I've love i've never that. been on the floor for a basketball game have you well no. that's that's a lie no. nick uh one of our good mutual friends nick snyder he took me we that's sat right, front I row because he won a dunk contest that the the nuggets were putting on or something like that through Instagram, and so is that how he did it? Yeah, he no won way. a dunk contest, which 
I mean, frankly, probably the only one who sent his thing in because he's barely getting above the rim. <laughs> Maybe dunking on seven-foot rims. No, I'm kidding. But so it was really cool. We got to sit row one, but it was row one underneath the basket. So not the not the, but it was pretty much floor. It was the coolest part, of the coolest thing yeah, in my life. Man. I've it always wanted awesome. to sit floor. And Nick is over there. You know, heckling these guys. <laughs> Shots weak. Hey, stick your elbow in. I'm just like, can you behave yourself when we're in the front row? Have some class. I Act know. like you've been there before. All <laughs> exactly. the other floor sitters are like, look at and, this guy. And, and me, New I, money piece of shit. You may think that that was me. <laughs> I was behaved. I was doing well. But one thing that I know, not not to make this about basketball, but it was really cool. One thing I noticed sitting on the floor that you, it's weird. You see a different game down there. What I saw personally, and you know more about basketball than I do, but what I saw was how one-on-one the NBA is. Right. It's just essentially one-on-one basketball because they spread the floor out so well right. that essentially it's just one-on-one and then they'll pass it and he does one-on-one and if he can't get to the hoop, one-on-one there. And I be- remember that, and especially at that point of the Nuggets, they weren't very good. Exactly. So they didn't have a lot of like pass-the-ball-around game. Now mm. I think it's less than that, but yeah, it, at that point it definitely was. It was cool, man. Yeah. But hey, we're... Four, or we're about $4 million short of that goal, so let's okay, keep working. We'll get there, there soon. Yeah. A few more podcasts will be there, there in we no go. time. Uh, next game up, Oklahoma State plus 10.5 going on the road to Ames, Iowa at Iowa State. Well, you're, you, you, we may be pushing the button again here. Tyler, you've been Uh-oh. quite the fan of the Cowboys this I year. I have. And they continue to let you down. I'm one and one with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering if this week you'll still be on them. So a team... Look, let me let me say this. If I do lose with them this week after everything I've been through the last couple weeks, I will be pissed. I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds! That's going to be me if they lose this weekend. <laughs> well, look, a, a team that I've been high on all year was Iowa State uh, at the start of the season especially I have their season total wins over eight which by the way they can still get to their five and two right now well. um, slow start for the Cyclones but now they've kind of hit their stride uh, they did have the close loss to Baylor a few weeks ago which at the time didn't look great but now when you know how good Baylor is now that that win or that loss isn't looking so bad so the Cyclones offense has been great they're scoring 37 points per game which is good for 20th in the nation uh, kind of flying under the radar as far as a good offensive team. And the one thing we know about Oklahoma State, once again, they can't stop anyone. Their defense is terrible. So in this game, I expect Iowa State to score early and often. And with the Cyclones having one of the better defenses in the Big 12, I think they'll get the required stops to win this game. And I think cover as well. I think they'll they'll everyone. The book is kind of out on how to slow down uh, Oklahoma State, and it's try to you know do your best to slow down Chuba Hubbard and try to double up Tylen Wallace and make this Spencer Sanders kid beat you, and I think he'll turn the ball over. I like uh, uh, Iowa State here, minus 10.5. Yeah, Oklahoma State, I, I I can't put this on the bet board. I just can't do it, Will. <laughs> I'm too scared. Too I'm afraid to fall to 4-2. And, and it's square. You know, This is the square mentality is, I lost with them last week, I'm scorn. How can they... But I think Iowa State's defense is real. And, and I have a real problem going back using data from the last couple of seasons when you get a team that plays a completely new style. Right. Iowa State has had a pretty good defense for a little bit, but it's never been this good. I mean, this is the best defense Iowa State's arguably ha- had in the history of their program. However, Oklahoma State's 8-2 and two against Iowa State the last time, 10 times they played. They rushed for an average of 200 yards in those games. 
Iowa State actually has thrown the ball more than Oklahoma State in their matchup. So Oklahoma wow. State likes to keep the ball on the ground. And I know tur- turnovers are largely predictive, but Oklahoma State's defense has dominated in this category, turning over Iowa State an average of three times per game, only turning it over one and a half times per game. Oklahoma State, 6-1, and one, their last seven on the road against uh, Iowa State. So they play very well in Ames, Iowa. I mean, I don't know why I'm not liking this game, aside from the fact that Oklahoma State, like you said, that defense is bad, and it's tough for me to quantify how bad it's going to be. I don't know if Iowa State's going to be able to get up and down the field, but then again, Oklahoma State's going to have to get up and down the field if that's the, if Iowa State is. This 10.5 is weird to me because I could see, and I know I'm talking about volatility a lot today, but sometimes, folks, when you get volatile situations or, I mean, I guess a better way to put it is situations where there's a high ceiling and low floor, there's a lot of different things that can happen. I could easily see Iowa State winning this game by a blowout, 41-10, to 10, something like that, but I could also see Oklahoma State's offense clicking and them keeping it close, 41-35, something like that. I do see this, this leaning towards the over 63 and a half points still a lot of points and and I'm, I'm leaning towards the over there but I look at the numbers 67% of the money's come in on the over so far which makes me want to go towards the under so I right. see a lot of conflicting things in my handicap for this game if I had to force a bet I'd go with Oklahoma State because I do like that hook 10 and a half seems valuable to me but I'm not going to because their defense has not proven to me that they can withstand anyone I mean <laughs> And you look back at the Texas game, but it was their offense that kept up in that game. Exactly. It wasn't really their defense that did much at all. Right. It was time of possession, the offense moving the football when they had to. I like Spencer Sanders. I like Chubba Hubbard. But do I trust this defense on the road? Iowa State... No, I'm not going to bet on it. Plus, it's kind of a hedge here because since I'm not betting on this, we still have the over-under. Will and I uh, win against each other for Iowa State. I have under eight wins. So if they happen to kind of lose this game, I'm happy about that. Don't have any money on it that way. <laughs> right. so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I just think that you look at how Iowa State's offense has played these last few weeks. They've scored almost 50 against TCU and 38 and the at West They're Virginia. They're coming together. They're 30, a full team. They're yeah, they, they team. are. They started slow. and I mean, basically since that loss to Iowa, they did lose to Baylor, but that was a close game. They, their offense has really figured things out. Their defense is still solid. It's one of the better defenses in the Big 12. And the only, the only thing that gives me a little trepidation is that it, it would be very much like Oklahoma State to have some disappointing losses. You know, they get blown out uh, playing Baylor, and then they come back and beat uh, Iowa State on the road. It would be very much like a Mike Gundy thing to do that because they are just kind of an unpredictable team. It would be, and that's what we think of a lot of times when we think Oklahoma State. Right. But I, <laughs> that defense, I mean, it, it's just You're right. yards after yards after yards. It's it's so poor. It's really bad. They give up big plays. Yeah. It's, t- it's tough. So they may be unpredictable on offense, but on defense they're certainly not. Right. So, yeah, I'm all over Iowa State here, so give me – Give me the Cyclones minus 10.5. William. And uh, next game up, Texas at TCU. This is an interesting one. Texas only a one-point favorite at TCU. So the over-under here is 59, by the way. So Texas, they had the scare against Kansas, which maybe can be attributed to a letdown game after being just kind of emotionally drained after the loss to Oklahoma. And they were lucky to not lose at home to Kansas. And now... Herman can't let it snowball as they go on the road to Fort Worth. So Texas, of course, has one of the best offenses in the nation. They're scoring 40 points per game. That's good for top 10 in the nation. But the problem is their defense is just terrible. It might be might be as bad or worse than Oklahoma State's. Uh, they've held only two teams to less than 30 points uh, this year, and those two teams were Louisiana Tech and Rice. Everyone else that they've played 
has scored 30 or more, with the worst performance coming last week when Kansas scored 48 points. You can't give up 48 points to Texas at home. And I know they're depleted by injury, but at some point, you know, you have to look at the guys on your bench. You have to change things schematically. They're not doing that. TCU's defense, on the other hand, is a little bit better. It's not great, but it is better than Texas's. And uh, their offense, TCU's offense, also hasn't been great as of late. You know, after a hot start to the season, they've struggled to score against their better competition. So they scored just 17 points against Kansas State, which was after a bye week, by the way. So this week, they will the offense will have every opportunity to score. Texas is going to give up points. That, that much we know. And I do wonder about Texas with their motivation for this one. So I'm not loving Texas here. I guess I lean with the horns when I'm picking against the spread. But what I love is the over. It's 59 points. Call me square if you want to. I think Texas can score 40. And then at that point, all you need is an average showing on offense from TCU. And with what we know about Texas' defense is that they give up 30 or more to basically anyone with a pulse. So I like the over here, 59 points. Life is too short well, to bet the under, why as don't uh, you, wise men once said. Why, yeah, and then he lost all his money. <laughs> um, why don't you like Texas plus the one if you think they're going to get to 40? Uh, well, they're minus one. I, I oh, just sorry. Look, I, the main reason why I don't love Texas here is just because I do wonder that after that Kansas beatdown, or not a beatdown, but after you know giving up that many points at home to Texas, or to Kansas, geez, I just don't. I worry about their motivation. I'm afraid that after that Oklahoma loss, that they thought they think, well, we don't really have a chance. Yeah, maybe if we if we went out, we have a chance at them again in the Big 12 championship game. Maybe it was just a letdown. All I know is that this game just feels a little trappy to me. I, I think that before this game, I expected this line to be Texas favored by three or four, and for them to only be one point favored against TCU, who's really not having a great year. It seems I'm a little scared. So I just like the over. I think a lot of points get scored in this game. I think TCU keeps this thing close. It seems, like you said, this is a weird line. Uh, but Texas, they've shown all year they have problems with that defense. They do have a porous yeah. defense. They have given up y- yards. And TCU has the 12th rushing game in the na- the 12th ranked rushing game in the nation. Yeah, this is a team that can move the football. Very good offensive line. And if Texas does have a letdown, that's the question. If you can answer this, then this is a bettable game. What is Texas's mentality right now in the locker room? Are they using last week's close game against Kansas as motivation? Let's let not let that happen again. Or is there going is there the same mentality as last week? Could there be a spot to where if TCU starts running the football, that'll wear Texas down and demoralize Texas? Because TCU isn't the run and gun style team that we that we've come to accustomed to watching. Uh, TCU, as I said, runs the football and they run it well. So if Texas gets tired they start getting beat in the running game giving up some plays i could see texas potentially folding if no one's really excited for this game so if you know texas's mentality in the locker room if they're all in for this game i like texas because i think that they're not a big matchup for tcu but answer that question what's going on in texas's locker room and this is a bettable game okay fair enough uh wisconsin at ohio state ohio state a 14 point favorite here at home this is a tricky one it's honestly a shame the Badgers lost to Illinois, not just because of their season hopes, but because... For this game. Yeah, this game yes. would have been bigger, and I think the line would have likely been closer to 10 if Wisconsin hadn't blown it last week. Oh, then doesn't there have to be value on Wisconsin? Maybe, but th- I mean, now, <laughs> maybe not, after you see how they handled, you know, on the road at Illinois. So I think there's two ways to look at 
the Badgers in this spot. You know, does the Illinois loss actually motivate them more for this one? Kind of like, uh, the, you know, the, a wake-up uh, moment almost? Or does that game kill the players' confidence knowing that that loss might be the one to keep them out of the playoff down the line, even if they could beat Ohio State? So I think I lean with the former there as, it, as the loss being more towards motivating Wisconsin, kind of a shot to the chin. But even still, this really has less to do with Wisconsin for me. Ohio State has been the best team in the country, I think. They have the best combination of top-tier offense and top-tier defense. They've been absolutely blowing the doors off of everyone they play, which has led to them being a freakish 6-1 and against the spread. They're covering the point spread by an average of 18 points per game. <laughs> 18 points more than the spread. That's that's best in the nation. Of. It's that's insane. Crazy. Their only loss against the spread, by the way, came week one against FAU, a game in which... They had covered the spread at halftime, and then they kind of let off the gas and gave up the backdoor cover. Since then, they're undefeated against the spread, undefeated first half against the spread. Their average margin of victory is 41 points per game. This is ridiculous. That's impressive no matter who you're playing, but it's not like their schedule has been a cakewalk. Their strength of schedule is currently rated by sports reference as the 19th toughest in the nation so far. Uh, and look, I like this Wisconsin team, especially their defense, but I find it hard to believe that they can really hold the Ohio State offense out of the end zone enough to keep up because the Ohio State defense will surely you know, come up with a game plan to try to slow down Jonathan Taylor, force Jack Cohn to beat him, which I'm sorry, he can't do. Jack Cohn can't beat Ohio State by himself. So the 14-point spread is definitely a little bit of a scary number when you look at re- the recent history of these two teams. Uh, Ohio State's won six in a row against Wisconsin, but five of those six have been by one score or less. And this f- does kind of feel like the best version of both these teams. And it's interesting. The way the way I've actually been looking at this game is I've been thinking, how would you bet it if Wisconsin was on the road against Al- Alabama instead of Ohio State? A healthy Alabama, by the way, with Tua. Uh, if it was the same 14-point spread, I think most people would feel really good about betting Alabama. And the reason why I bring that up is because I think Ohio State is just as good, maybe better, than than Alabama. I just still, as crazy as it is to say, I think maybe Ohio State is still being undervalued here. I feel pretty comfortable taking the Buckeyes minus 14, but what I really love is teasing this number down to seven points, and the team I'm teasing it with will come up later in the uh, in the game breakdowns. Okay, like that. Um, this is the number one and number two defense in the nation when you look at points or excuse me, yards per play given up. So Wisconsin, the number one defense in the nation, giving up 3.3 yards per play. Ohio State giving up 3.4 yards per play. But you look at who these teams have played, not that great of an offense for either. I mean, Wisconsin, the best offense they've played, I would say maybe Michigan, which is so weird to say. I mean, Central Michigan, South Florida, Northwestern, Kent State, Michigan State, Illinois. Michigan's the best offense they've played so far. Right. Ohio State. Maybe Cincinnati. They played Nebraska, Miami, Ohio, Michigan State again, Northwestern, Indiana. Cincinnati's no, probably the best team on that list. Probably honestly. the best offense on that list for sure. So neither team has really had a litmus test for how good this defense is. This is where Wisconsin's defense gets exposed. And I think Ohio State is still that good. I think they're arguably the best team in the nation. And for that other level of of, of teams, Alabama, Ohio State, right, th- that that top group. It always comes down to, in my opinion, do they have a reason 
to run it up at the end of the game? Is there some sort of motivation? Because the reason the backdoor cover exists is because coaches take their foot off the pedal. I don't know if Ohio State necessarily has a reason to run this up. I mean, it's a huge game at home, number 13, Wisconsin. But we haven't seen Ryan Day really run it up at all this year. I think the 51-10 game against Indiana was just, I mean, that's 41. That could have been 81-10. That right. could have easily been a right. blowout. 76-5 against Miami, Ohio. Their two biggest spread spreads of the season. Or, excuse me, the, the Indiana game was 41 points. They did, I guess, beat Cincinnati by 42. But it doesn't seem like Ryan Day is foot on the accelerator. So... I just don't know if he has the incentive to do that here against Wisconsin, but they may end up with those points anyway. I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout point is I still don't know how good this Ohio State team is, and I'm not about to bet against them. If I had to make a play, it's certainly going to be Ohio State. Right. I'm not going to bet on Wisconsin after everything I went through last week, and then Ohio State, they keep getting better and better. So they're a weird team to, to nail down right now, and I would take Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is a square viewpoint, and you'll scold me for it, but if a team... As, as now, you know, after week one, they've won six straight against the spread. You kind of want to keep riding them until they until they they lose, right? Or is it more like buy, you know, sell that stock while it's high and get off them now? Well, yeah, Vegas hates going when teams go 12-0 and against the spread. Right. I don't think there's ever been a team to go undefeated against the spread in Vegas because they usually catch up. But we keep saying every week, like, okay, is but, this the but, week where the market but, caught but, up and it doesn't but, feel like it's going to happen? What I think is going on is the bookmakers are using decades of data. The Alabamas, the right. Ohio, Ohio States, the, 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 the Clemsons of the late, the Georgias, so on and so forth, using that data from the past. And I think that college football, I, this is more of a, we could do a whole podcast on this, this is more of a fundamental sport change. And I think what's happening now is it's just higher scoring in general. So I think that across the board, you're going to get these different outcomes that because of 2019 and how college football is today, it's uh, it's 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 different. So it's just crazy because I think uh, you know teaser bets is where you can buy points to lower the spread. There's an is it ple- well, or, or, pleasers where, yeah, you can, where you can get points up. So you could have been pleasing the Ohio State line and still been profitable. I mean, it's, the fact that they're covering the spread by 18 points per game is ridiculous. Well, and to clarify what I was saying earlier is that. What in the past with Alabama, and I know we always use them, or the best teams in the nation, there was never this much of a discrepancy between how good the teams were in the power rankings and how good their performance was on the field. And I think Ohio State's coming an anomaly. They don't know because what the books don't want to do is overreact. That's like their main things. They never want to overreact when Ohio State needs a bigger upgrade from the beginning. So I think, again, they're plugging in old data, all these old teams not understanding that it's a product of 2019 football and Ohio State may just be that good that they're still not caught up. But I find it hard to believe. And no, that is... I hate betting on teams that are undefeated against the spread at this point in the season because you're going to get burned by Vegas one of these weeks. Right. But I'm not... I'm not betting against them, man. Right. Like, I felt so stupid when I said it last week that, oh, this Northwestern game feels like it could be. And then, yeah, they beat them 52-3. to So, you know, like I said, I... I feel pretty comfortable. Buckeyes minus 14, but I am going to tease them down to seven with another team. All and right. that's going to be this next game. Auburn going on the road at Death Valley at LSU. LSU an 11.5 point favorite here. So speaking of teams with great records against the spread, Auburn is 6-1 and one against the spread this year, and LSU is 5-2. And, and one of those, that, those two losses was very close, by the way. So this will definitely be one of the toughest defenses LSU will play all year. But after seeing the Tigers pick apart Florida at home uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it's safe to say at this point that Joe Burrow and LSU will score on anyone that lines up across from them. 
And even though this LSU defense isn't quite as great as what we've grown accustomed to seeing, it's still put it's still going to put a ton of pressure on true freshman Bo Nix, who will probably need to have one of the best games of his life in order to keep Auburn in this game. When you're talking about going on the road to LSU, one of the toughest uh, you know home home field advantages you can get in college football. So once again, you know this is kind of the same thing. I know that. Uh, Auburn has a great defense, but I think they're a little bit more geared towards stopping the run and that uh, LSU can take advantage of that and they're just going to continue to throw the ball, score a ton of points. So I feel fairly comfortable, again, taking LSU, laying the 11.5, but I love them in the teaser with Ohio State. So if you do a seven-point teaser here, now you only need Ohio State by seven and LSU by 4.5. That's my best bet of the weekend. Uh, in this game, I'm going to go Auburn plus seven first half. Oh, and, wow. And, and right now it's six and a half. So on most sites, you can buy that to seven for about minus 120. The reason I think this happens, for the first half, Auburn is going to have the game plan. I am sure that they're going to run the clock, run the football. Auburn runs the ball exceptionally well, and they're not going to want to put freshman Bo Nix in a bad spot. Also... They're not going to want to give Joe Burrow and LSU the ability to jump on them quick and run that score up in the first half. Auburn will implement that, that as long as they can, but it's not going to last 60 minutes. I think LSU inevitably, inevitably pulls away, but in the first half, I definitely think low-scoring game. Auburn sc- keeps it within that touchdown. They milk the clock. They run the football and try and keep it out of LSU's hands. Uh, give me the flow to be very slow in the first half. A couple scores, maybe Auburn goes in, down, I don't know, 10-7 or something like that, 14-10. I like Auburn to keep it within seven first half. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and by the way, I've seen this number as low as 10, 10 and a half. It's really fluctuating. You can get anywhere from 10 to 12. I'm currently seeing 11 minus 110 okay. on uh, Bovada and Bookmaker. Gotcha. Um, all right, well, next up, uh, last but not least, Notre Dame at Michigan. Michigan a one-point home favorite here. So this one is so hard for me to decide because Notre Dame is coming off a of bye week, by the way. Brian Kelly has won. Brian Kelly! He's won his game after a bye week the last five years running. And not all of them have been these big marquee matchups, but he's on the road at Michigan. Michigan is it's been it's been crazy in during the Harbaugh era how much better they are at home than on the road. And when you're talking about how the performance they did have last week against Penn State, I'm so torn because part of me says, hey, they these guys showed fight. The offense actually looked good. The defense made the adjustments. I think Penn State's a better team than Notre Dame, so maybe Michigan should be uh, favored by more than that here. The other side says, was the Michigan performance against Penn State more of a anomaly? Now they're going to go back to looking like shit like they did all year. So this one I'm really torn on. I think that Ian Book's mobility could play a huge role in this game. He's a great passer. I really like him, but he's sneaky mobile. Not a lot of people really, when you think about him, you don't think of him as this mobile you know, running quarterback, but he really is. And Don Brown's defenses in the past have shown some weaknesses to quarterbacks that uh, that while they're not running a lot of you know planned quarterback runs, they can break out of the pocket. You know if there's pressure and run up the middle, get some big chunk plays. I think that could play a very big role in this game. Ian Book's mobility, and you look at their defense. I think Notre Dame's defense is a little underrated, but is it as good? You know, look, I don't like to do this. Uh, this comparing teams here and do the uh, the transitive theory. Well, well, Penn State's defense is better than Notre Dame's, and Michigan could score on them, so they can do that. But in this case, I kind of think it applies. I think that the Michigan offensive line really showed improvement. This was the first game all year long that Michigan didn't fumble the ball. Now the receivers were dropping catches, and those had similar effects. But 
for them to actually show a game on the road where they're not fumbling the ball, it does give me a little bit of confidence here. Ugh. I hate <laughs> I hate betting on Michigan. A lot of times I like to do the emotional hedge <laughs> like I did last week where, <laughs> yeah. where I pick Penn State and then that way I can't lose either way. In this spot, a one-point favorite at home, I think I'm leaning Michigan here. I think I really like Michigan to, to kind of get a bounce-back win and beat Notre Dame. I, it's, it's difficult because that would require Michigan to just wipe away last week, that heartbreaking loss. You just described it, Will. They had the catch. They could have forced overtime, and then it all slipped away. Right. And they were looking at that probably as their season. So yeah. I know I'm kind of going with this whole what-if this week, but there's a lot of handicaps that come down to one major question and I know I've been going in the locker room for a few teams but it's the same thing here with Michigan if this team comes out ready to to, to play completely motivated I like them at home by the way Notre Dame one in seven straight up their last eight games at Michigan they don't travel well to Michigan I just think that this is kind of a, a trap game for Notre Dame, and I think a lot of people are going to be on Notre Dame. I think the public will certainly be on Notre Dame this game. They haven't won money with Michigan this year. They're right. not going to start betting on Michigan, especially after last week. Even though they co they covered the spread, I just don't see a lot of people. If you had Michigan last week, I don't see you replaying Michigan this week. And maybe that's just I'm trying to get in the heads of the average right. Joe better out there. But I just don't see them backing Michigan this game. I, I, I certainly see the public getting behind Notre Dame. And this was one of those lines that's so... It was weird to me, man. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I feel like Notre Dame should be a six-point favorite in this game. Right. On the road, maybe a four- or five-point favorite. But the fact that it's almost a pick'em, essentially, this, this scares me. I do lean Michigan. I think they could come out big backing at home if they do have motivation. I trust them to bounce back, but... Brian Kelly, I like him, man. They do have yeah. one loss this season. They still can get into a very good bowl game. You never know what's going on in that locker room, too. And uh, underrated offense. So For sure. you, you put all that together. I, I do lean Michigan, but it's a weird line, and I like staying away from the weird lines. Yeah, I mean, this is a game where you, you could really talk me into betting anything at this point. It, I, it just seems one where it's not super predictable. I could see any... I mean, I could see Notre Dame blowing Michigan out. I could see, I could honestly see Michigan blowing Notre Dame out. I could see it being a close game for either team. And the bye week does, that's, I think that's probably the part that makes me the most nervous because I think Brian Kelly is a very good coach. I think he'll have a good game plan. And with Harbaugh, we've seen it a lot where, you know, team, or games usually go a couple ways. They either go, Harbaugh has a great game plan. They come out and strike early in the second half and then can't adjust. Or it's the opposite. It's that the game plan that they have set up doesn't work at all in the first half like against Penn State and then they have to kind of crawl back in and try to get back in this game so this one's tough I really don't know which way to lean but my gut it's like just from my gut is telling me that I think Michigan actually has a real shot here well your gut hasn't been that off this year Will so keep going with it I think you're onto something there yeah fair enough uh, did you have anything we kind of talked about maybe doing the Virginia Louisville game? I didn't have a lot on that. Did you have any notes you wanted to say on that one? I mean, if you're looking for a tease option, going from three and a half to nine and a half is great. I always like to find teams that are home in between plus two and a half and plus three and a half. Oh, Virginia's on the road. They're going at Louisville. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Louisville at home. Oh, plus, I see. Yeah, plus the three and a half, taking gotcha. them to nine and a half point uh, underdogs at home. 
even 10 if you want to do the six and a half point teaser. I think that's a very profitable spot. Usually for teams that are plus two and a half to plus three and a half at home, I start saying, why wouldn't you tease this? Is there a reason? Is there a certain volatility? I don't trust Virginia to run it up on the road against Louisville. Right. Good showing last week. I would tease, look to put Louisville in some teasers there, plus three and a half. Yeah, like Louisville's defense is bad. They're going to give up points, but their offense is capable. And even though the scoreboard from the Clemson game last week didn't show it, if you watch that game in the first half, it was actually pretty competitive. Louisville had some some big passes dropped, a couple that would have been touchdowns that, that were drops that kept them off the board. I think that they're still a little undervalued just because of how bad they were last year. But I think that was more about players kind of giving up on Bobby Petrino. And then now once you have Scott Satterfield in there, who's he is a tough coach. He came from Appalachian State, did very well there. He was always good against the spread. I think that Louisville has a lot more talent than people expect. And if you're giving me, you know, a home dog by three points, I think I probably, you know, I lean Louisville, I, I don't love it, though. So uh, One of my other games for the weekend, I do like Stanford at home, minus one against Arizona. And this just boils down to Arizona. They don't travel very well at all. They're one and five straight up their last six on the road. That one win coming against the CU Buffs, I knew a lot about that game. That was more about the Colorado defense than it was Arizona's offense, and they still won that game by five points. I think that they could score here on, on the road, but I think Stanford actually turns a leaf and scores on Arizona. Give me Stanford minus one in a game again where you look at the square money, where the public's going to be. I think a lot of people will be on Arizona this game. On the road, it doesn't matter. I'm taking Stanford, a team that many people have written off from the beginning of the season. Those are often teams that are profitable throughout the, throughout the end of the year. We were talking earlier about teams that are undefeated, how Vegas doesn't like that to go on. Well, Stanford right now is 2-5 and five against the spread. This is where you want to buy on the Stanford Cardinal. Give me Stanford at home against the Arizona Wildcats. Okay, fair enough. That's all we got for the games, all we got for this week's show. Thanks once again for listening. Everyone, make sure you go subscribe, rate, review. That helps us. Anywhere you can find podcasts, check us out on Twitter, at CFB Weekly. We'll see you next week. Yeah.